Invention on demand, a process that can transform R&D, help your inventors, and increase your bottom line. Hello, and welcome back to Invent Anything. In this episode, we will cover Invention on Demand, an inventing process that really works and has generated thousands of inventions. You'll learn a lot about the history and how it works and even where the future of invention lays. Take it from me, as an exiting top inventor of IBM and one that has invented 1,500 patents and applications, I can tell you that this really works. So what you'll learn can change your inventing approach and provide tremendous leverage to you and your company. Inventions keep the world spinning. From fire in the wheel to today's high tech, inventions power change. Turn your inventions into reality. Learn how to get your ideas to market. This is Invent Anything with John Cronin. So today we'll cover six topics. The first topic is history and experiences with Invention on Demand. The second topic is the fundamentals of facilitating Invention on Demand. How is it done? The third is Invention on Demand experiences. You have performed so many of these over three and a half decades. There's lots of experience. I'll hit some of the highlights. <clears throat> topic number four is the benefits of doing Invention on Demand. Topic number five, I think there'd be a lot of interest in some advanced strategies of how you use Invention on Demand. And then finally, to talk about the future of Invention on Demand. And then we'll wrap up. When I think about the audience for an episode like this, I first of all, I'm thinking of inventors who might want to be more productive and have higher quality inventions and more of them. So this episode may be the beginning of that exploration. For those in the field of creativity and helping others to generate ideas, this primer is definitely for you, believe me. I spent so many years working in creativity to make it applied to invention. This is definitely for you. If you're a small company who wants to get lots of uh, R&D done at very low cost, this process is for you. But even if you're a larger company and you want to enhance the relationship between the IP groups, the R&D functions, this episode will provide some direction. For those in management and supervisory levels that may want to get a briefer on how to get teams to work together creatively, and this episode will provide valuable insights. And for those who want to understand how to create patents of future high value, this episode is the beginning of understanding of a process that will do so. So this is John Cronin from Invent Anything. And coming up, and surprisingly, the process of invention of demand, birthed out of the experiences of the IBM patent factory, has now extended to decades-long pursuit of integrating the inventive process into all phases of innovation and IP management. You're listening to Invent Anything with John Cronin. Be sure to visit us at inventanything.net. There's information, articles, and more. And you can leave your thoughts and comments there as well. That's inventanything.net. And now back to John and this episode. So let's get right into it in the first topic, the history and experiences with Invention on Demand. My mentorship at IBM by Bruce Bertelson, a senior a staff engineer, basically taught me how to invent because I asked him. And I used his process all the time. And eventually I was having patents issued up until the point that I became a top inventor of the company. But past this mentorship, every Friday, I would find myself in my office, giving myself a couple hours to invent. So that's kind of where it began for me. And then the IBM patent factory came around and it's now 35 years later that we use an inventive process with engineers at IBM to generate intellectual property. And we went from 1500 patents to 3,500 patents a year. And this process of inventing with creativity and enablement was the cornerstone of that improvement, the absolute cornerstone. 
When I started IP Capital in 1998, Invention on Demand became the approved process that we use. It's different than what we've done at IBM. There's lots of other tools and techniques. We have over 1,500 creativity tools we use, and we integrate them in real time uh, with, with online tools now, even with AI. Invention on Demand is great because it can handle what's called white space analysis. So when you have a white space in your landscape analysis, Invention on Demand is exactly what you need to plug in to invent in the white space. We have a program that is full contingency that goes across any amount of technology where we have virtualized innovation. We're literally going into any parts of the landscape and doing what we call virtualized innovation, which replaces R&D in a lot of cases. And therefore, Invention on Demand is a cornerstone process for that. We've used Invention on Demand with hundreds of startups which create value for them because it can almost immediately create a larger portfolio and look like a larger company. We've also used Invention on Demand for many clients to enhance IP monetization. So if they have patents they want to monetize, we use Invention on Demand to create further improvement inventions to add on to the root inventions. Invention on Demand has worked in all technologies areas. We, I, I was not surprised at all when I left IBM and started facilitating inventions in diapers and food in all sorts of different materials that Invention on Demand would work. So we've used it in hundreds and hundreds of technologies. It's also a process that can be used in many countries. I've done this across the world. Uh, I can tell you some of the cultural things, we'll talk about that later, but it's worked in Japan, it's worked in Australia, it's worked in the UK, it's worked in almost any nationality. And also I've had the experience and, and the wonderful experiences to use Invention on Demand with specific groups like CEOs or board members, or even billionaires. So it's really kind of fun to use a process that can work at the operator level, all the way up to the person running the company. Uh, so Invention on Demand is a great process for any kind of audience. In our second topic, talking about the fundamentals of facilitating Invention on Demand, I'm gonna let you in on some secrets. One of the greatest things about Invention on Demand, which people many times mix up when they're thinking about inventing, is that the timeline for Invention on Demand is today and the future. It's really important when you do an Invention on Demand to recognize this because if you go into a team to invent, what almost always happens is they tell you their existing ideas. So we have a process in the previous episode, episode 29, called the IP scan, which extracts all the ideas you have from today in the past. So Invention on Demand is used from today in the future. In other words, it creates inventions that you don't have in your head before you start. It uses creativity tools. Uh, we have a whole set of episodes on creativity tools, episode two, episode three, and episode four. I'd encourage you to listen to those. They're a lot of fun. But let me give you a quick example of a creativity tool. So basically, it's called random verb noun. So when I work with companies maybe making shovels, I ask them to give me all their ideas on shovel. And then I say, how would you like to have a creativity tool? And if they say yes, I say, OK, what does? and I'll pick three random verbs, for instance, vibrating or flashing or mixing. And I'll say, could you think of any ideas of a flashing shovel? And someone starts to think back and says, you know, we use shovels for when we're digging in places where there's high electric utility lines and we don't want to get shorted. So maybe we could build a device in the shovel that would pick up the electromagnetic field and maybe it would blink an LED on the handle. And another person starts building on that says, you know, we know we could build that circuit, but we could put a little transmitter in the handle and have a little app so we can then tell management where all these places are and on and on. What does flashing got to do with shovel? It uses associative thinking. 
majestic about mixing or vibrating or any other random verb. So that's a creativity tool, an example of one of them. We have over 1,500 of them. Then there's enablement tools. And that is to take that idea of a flashing shovel and to enable it to some level. Now, I'm not saying develop a prototype. I'm not saying we're going to write up a patent, but at least to sort of think through how that would be done. So working with inventors, we'd say, well, how would this be done? They would say, well, we're going to need a power supply, so we're going to have to have a battery. So maybe we'll put the battery right near the light, but we're going to have to wire it somehow down to the device that detects the electric field. So we can put that on a shovel head. Maybe it's a little box that we can glue a weld, and maybe it has the same shape as the shovel, so it won't be ripped off. And on and on and on, they start to improve it to the point that we now know that we can make it. That's continuous improvement thinking. You heard those minor improvements that kept enhancing that one idea, which was an idea to an improved idea. One of the things we found in Invention on Demand is to get the quality up, you have to get the quantity up. So we generally generate hundreds of ideas to pick out the top 10 or 20. I will tell you, and this is basically sort of a rule, and anybody who does facilitation, an expert facilitator is really needed. <clears throat> Having a person in the organization just pop up and try to do something like Convention on Demand simply just doesn't work. There's so many things that has to be learned and you wanna get rid of bias and things like that. So an experienced facilitator, no matter what is needed. It may surprise you to find out that getting ready for an Convention on Demand session, you just don't show up on a whiteboard. Uh, basically, it takes us several weeks to prepare for any sessions we do. And I mentioned sessions. This is best done in groups of eight to 12 people. It's best done for one and a half hours to two hours. Uh, maybe it's an eight or 12 hour session, but it's broken up into five or six sessions. So it's always great to separate them by several days. So the mind has a chance to relax and to sort of unconsciously think about what happened in the previous uh, sessions. But what we do also is we make sure that we change the creativity tools. Because once I teach you one creativity tool and use it, you kind of embed that in your head as being less fun. So we keep changing creativity tools to learn a new creativity tool three or four times in a session. What's really great about Invention On Demand is if you want to make it really relevant, you should understand the company's strategies and determine in the strategy what kind of inventions you want. Yes, that's right. You can use Invention On Demand to create any kinds of inventions. You can position it in time, like one year from now, three years from now, five years from now. Just think about trying to position invention 20 years from now. Well, that's much more difficult, I tell you. It gets me kind of crazy. But one year, five year, 10 year, certainly doable. And then there's all sorts of different criteria you can apply as to whether this will cover our business, whether we can finance it in the prototyping. So getting the business to understand its strategies and its requirements and criteria on invention on demand will help the relevance. And constantly during the process, you're checking that out. And one of the other things is you're tuning constantly through the process. Every time you have two or three new ideas, you check in to say, is this the direction? Is this the right way to go? And so by tuning and by good strategy up front, we have the ability to create a lot of relevance coming out. So you see, Invention on Demand is much more than just creativity tools and much more than just enablement tools. It's this ability of facilitation done correctly based on strategy, tuning all the way. And then finally, I can't tell you how important recording the sessions are and then doing a thorough analysis of all that information and presented it in a structured way. One of the big problems with brainstorming, uh, which I've seen over the years, is that you have a brainstorming session and nobody even takes notes. It, they, at the end, they capture the posted notes and very few people report back. So Invention on Demand has a very robust uh, analysis and recording system. Coming up, you learn about experiences that make Invention on Demand very unique 
and over the years, several experiences I had that I think you'd be fascinated with. And also you can learn how you can use this process to accelerate innovation. You're listening to Invent Anything with John Cronin. Be sure to visit us at inventanything.net. There's information, articles, and more. And you can leave your thoughts and comments there as well. That's inventanything.net. And now back to John and this episode. Topic number three, invention on demand experiences. Well, I have a lot of experiences. I've been doing this two or three times a month with clients uh, for 25 years at IP Capital and for eight years at IBM, and even for that by myself for at least a decade. So I've been doing this for a while. Uh, so I have a lot of experiences. One of the things is I found that there's many times resistance to this process. It really depends upon the expertise of the facilitator. And the first 30 minutes of results really either warm the clients up, warm the participants up, or they produce a bias here. I can't tell you how many times it's taken me to get people to buy in that this really works. I mean, I'm dealing with fellows of organizations, right? CFOs of large companies, IP experts and patent attorneys, and you name it. And everyone sort of comes at this as sort of a disbelief. You see, most people think that invention is the result of sitting around a laboratory with really hard work over multiple years. And it's almost they want to resist the idea that someone could just come together in a couple hour session and generate inventions. Well, that's what you can actually do with Invention on Demand. One of the things I've found, and this is very interesting, is one out of the 20 people that end up in a in sort of a session, one out of 20 seems to become very interested in the process and creativity. And they start to follow creativity and invention in their own lives. And they literally become the advocate inside of a company to try to drive these processes more formally and more every day. So I've found that over time. And so I don't have to convert everybody. Maybe all 20 people will recognize it works. But if I can find one person that really thinks the process is something that they would like to consider doing, then that's great. There's a cultural proclivity that I've also seen here. In the United States and Americans, they tend to are very comfortable with just generating new ideas, crazy ideas. As we start to move to the, and I don't want to have sort of cultural biases here, but I've seen cultural differences. As we move to sort of the UK, uh, there seems to be more structure around ideas and more thinking around how, how does it enable before they'll even throw the idea out. In Germany, for instance, a, a lot of the German inventors that I've worked with over the years really want to have it worked out in their head before they'll even mention it. As we move out to you know Asia and some of the Asian countries, um, you know, part of the problem is doing it in English and they have a second language to deal with. But in other cultures in Asia, they tend to like to see it work and like to repeat something that works over and over and over again. So they might not want to shift the multiple creativity tools. So understanding these cultural biases or cultural proclivity, if you will, to invention is also pretty important. Well, I have to touch on this, the expert dilemma. You see, experts in companies always consider everything that they do as being sort of top shelf, they've got the expertise, but everything else around them is considered obvious. So when you invite an expert as you mentioned on demand sessions, They'll start telling you everything that comes out of it is obvious. Of course, talked about this in some of the earlier episodes that obviousness is a legal concern and, and really is the layman's view of the word obvious shouldn't be used to stop inventing. So if there's experts, I tend to pull them aside and spend some time talking to them about this whole dilemma before we have the sessions. You see, that's a part of expert facilitation for invention on demand. If you don't do that, it could ruin you. One of the things is, and this is kind of a fun thing, 
inventors who love inventing, for the first time, they actually get to see the mechanics of how their mind works. So it's like opening up a, a treasure box for them of all the things that they can explore now about their own mind. It's very exciting to me to see this. One of the things I've found, and I, you will have to suspend belief here, almost anything that the mind can create can be enabled as a patent. So since we're creating all sorts of ideas, that means that almost every idea we create, subject to prior art and all the rest, can be enabled and patented. Well, I told you might have to suspend belief on that, but I've seen it. One of the things is that the invention on demand output has much more use beyond just inventing. We have seen it help inventors planning. We have seen it help develop R&D roadmaps. We have seen it help in monetization discussions. So the output of invention on demand has a lot of uses. Many don't believe, I found, that invention on demand is possible because they're sort of trapped in this research and R&D process that have to have laboratories, have to have lots of engineering uh, meetings. And there's a sort of disbelief that something that could happen so quickly could provide a lot of value. I said this earlier, but I want to touch on it again because the, the types of people that might want to be very receptive of invention on demand might be people in marketing and sales and management the ones that may not be as receptive are people that are really experts or they're on the manufacturing line or they're the ones in charge of developing the particular circuit diagram or whatever. So knowing that ahead of time, it's important to understand that to try to explain to people how invention on demand can really work. You know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I certainly could do a whole episode on this. I have looked at hundreds of other sort of processes and techniques for creative thinking and for inventing, obviously 1,500 creative thinking tools, right? That's a lot of tools, um, which we've looked at. But there's a lot of processes, and I won't name them by name, but almost all of them that generate new ideas don't create patents. So that's one thing. Our invention on demand creates new ideas that are used for products, but really also use to create patents. There's a lot of tools out there that require high knowledge of software and lots of training. Invention on demand, it boots right up and you're in it in the first half hour. So there's lots of different tools out there. And, and on a price comparison, uh, just even thinking about the team's time, right? Invention on demand is a very low cost uh, process. Uh, here's another sort of caveat. If you're thinking about invention on demand and processes like this, don't invite IP counsel to it. Now, look, most of my friends are IP counsel and I love working with them. They're brilliant but they have very interesting ways of thinking, critical thinking about obviousness and prior art. We don't want that in these sessions. We invite them after the session. Uh, another thing is that, you know, some of the experiences here, that IP Capital's been doing invention on demand for many, many years. And we work with different companies for different processes. Uh, we found that uh, we've never really benchmarked our invention on demand against others, but we have found that almost everybody that we work with says it works. And it, it, it fits so quickly at such low cost, maybe this is a sales pitch, but in comparison to other processes, this, this ranks right up there as something very effective. Topic number four, the benefits of invention on demand. Well, I've said this two or three times, I'll say it one more time. It really works. It produces thousands of inventions and a fair percentage of these get into products. Another cool thing is it's absolutely fun. One of the greatest things I do during the month is to attend these sessions, I have so much fun uh, with the teams because part of all this inventing on demand, there was this huge thread of humor. 
uh, humor releases the same kind of endorphins in the brain as generating ideas. So having fun and laughing during these sessions is really part of making it comfortable and easy to invent. And it does build teamwork. It's fast. Generally, our clients don't have to really do much until they show up at the session. We're the ones to spend a couple of weeks getting ready for it. So it's a fast process. And right away from the first 15 minutes, you can actually start to see the inventions roll out. So that's the neat thing. It's very productive. The other thing is outside of a couple of facilitators and so a couple of weeks of training uh, on our end and then a couple of weeks of post-processing, um, it's just the, the team's time of uh, maybe four or five, one and a half hour sessions. So it's very low cost. As I mentioned, it produces lots of paths. So let's kind of look at it. A couple hundred ideas generally in a session, set of four or five, and we would produce 25 or 30 paths. Long, long track record for doing that. One of the nice things is, another benefit is it aligns with businesses. Uh, you can enhance in new inventions in any direction you want. New business processes, new compositions of matter, new devices, new monetary systems. I mean, so you can tune it for almost anything. And you can tune it for a lot of different factors uh, things like, like I mentioned, timeframes or types of inventions. You can tune it towards develop inventions that your customers may want. Why would you want to do that? For leverage to sell what you do. Uh, another thing that this does as a benefit is it produces buy-in by teams to work together. And that's always fun. When, when we use invention on demand, sometimes the result is actually getting the teams to work better together. And talk about teams, it doesn't take that much time of a team member, one and a half hours and four or five sessions, to invent. And I can tell you one of the cool things is after you go to these sessions uh, as a person attending them, and if the process goes through, you get patents, this eight or nine hours could end up creating eight or nine or 10 to 12 patents with your name on it. And so inventors love this. And for large companies, about 25% of our clients are Fortune 500s. We work 15% of them, I think. Um, for large companies, we found that we can embed this in very large scale systems. So there's a lot of benefits for Invention on Demand. Coming up, Invention on Demand may seem like a simple cog in the wheel process, but you can learn about the many strategies to leverage it from everything from leveraging competitors or preparing for litigation or for monetization. Interestingly, the future process of Invention on Demand can lead us to artificial intelligence to enhance the process. And also we can virtualize this in digital systems and even lead us to the future where computers invent. So coming up, Learn about that. You're listening to Invent Anything with John Cronin. Be sure to visit us at inventanything.net. There's information, articles, and more. And you can leave your thoughts and comments there as well. That's inventanything.net. And now back to John and this episode. Topic number five, some advanced strategies for invention on demand. Now, one of the things is that I love invention on demand and I've been doing it for so many years. One of the things I love about it is before we have to do with the clients, I get to think about with my staff some strategies of how we're going to use it. And over the years, we've developed countless different strategies for how we're going to set up a convention on demand session so we can get some really great surprising results. One of the things is that we can set the time frame. Literally, you can determine whether you want to invent one year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. Well, I mean, how could you do that? I'll just give you a a couple of bits of information, not to kind of train you how to do this, but just to give you some insight. You see, if you want to invent one year from now, you look at existing technologies and think how to just improve that technology. If you want to invent five years from now, you can look at the technology and maybe develop a list 
of sort of alternate technologies that can replace it and think about how to take the benefits of today's technology and get those benefits and improve benefits with the advanced technologies. You want know, about 10 years from now, you have to have a strategy in the invention on demand to actually eliminate discussions of any today or five years from now technologies. In other words, by having that not function in the invention on demand, you're forced to think of technologies outside. So all of a sudden, you know, thinking about the better way to make material and sharpen it, you know, on a blade or something, and all of a sudden not talking about any kind of grinding processes or things like that, all of a sudden you may be talking about nanotechnology or some sort of laser system, et cetera. So setting the time frame. One of the things we can do here is to invite different talents to the meeting. What I mean by different talents? It's a lot of fun doing invention on demand with different teams, but I always would ask that maybe someone from marketing or sales be part of the inventing process. Why is that? Well, the inventors are in technology, right? They're inventing the inventing. They're inventing the inventions, but the marketing people are in the market and they know what customers want. So by bringing them into the invention on demand, they can actually quickly react and quickly kind of proselytize different directions of what the clients are buying. So it's great to have that. Also, we've had operators from the line in, and there you get inventions that are at such a deeper level. Uh, bringing the CEO in sometimes helps a lot if the CEO is very understanding of, of how they can influence their team. One of the things about invention on demand is that it can focus on things like competitors. It can invent on top of or in front of competitors. Those are very different things. Inventing in front of is where the competitor is going to go in the future. Inventing on top of is sort of inventing those improvements to the things that they're already doing. So we can use invention on demand to tune competitors simply by looking at their products and adding creativity tools. We can invent on top of or in front of. Mention customers. We certainly could take your technology, your products, your services, and improve them into the direction of how the customer is going to do that. Tools like point of view that we use, where you can come in and say, Let's look at your invention and let's ask the question, when your customer is using it, what are they going to be doing with it? And sort of virtualize watching them. And then what they're doing with it many times could be inventive. So we invent what the customer wants. One of the things is some companies get themselves into strategies for litigation. So if you have patents that you think you might want to litigate, you can use invention on demand to improve the position by inventing around the patents. You improve more patents. So the competitor can't invent around the patents that you want to do for litigation. And we've done a whole episode on inventing around, around a previous episode. We can use invention on demand to help improve licensing. You know, you want to license three or four or five patents. It's one thing. If you do invention on demand, you create another half a dozen more surrounding those patents more towards the customer or licensee. One of the tools we use quite a bit in episode 30, we talked about landscaping, is we can take a landscape and cross it with itself and create a matrix and use that matrix to find white spaces and then use invention very specifically on the crosses of the landscape. One of the things we do with invention on demand is to use it to get ready for an acquisition. We find the acquirers and then we use our portfolio to start with and we invent in the direction of the acquirers. So we make your portfolio specific to acquirers. What better things could you do to enhance the value or the speed at which you get an M&A done? It wouldn't be an episode of Invention on Demand or any inventing thing to talk about breakthroughs. So I'm going to have at it here for a few seconds. Can Invention on Demand be used to create breakthroughs? Guardedly, yes. We had many breakthroughs in Invention on Demand. Can we guarantee it? No. What's that about? 
But what it's about is it's all about facilitation and the, and the participants and what they come up with. You see, breakthroughs is more of a stochastic process, a random process. Maybe in 100 or 200 ideas, one of them could be a breakthrough. Sometimes if you have 50 ideas, you might not find a breakthrough. Sometimes the first 15 minutes of an invention on demand session creates a breakthrough. And I, I tell you, I actually don't like that <laughs> because all they do is keep coming back to the breakthrough and that becomes a session. So yes, invention on demand has led to many breakthroughs. It can't be guaranteed. But I will tell you, when you kind of compare this against other ways of finding breakthroughs, it's head over heels uh, better because of its cost and its speed. Now, one of the things that we can do, believe it or not, is help invent science. Now, <laughs> this has gone a long way, I know. But think about how science actually came about. Science came about by discovery and also by thinking about how science could change. And so any kind of improvements in science outside of discovery has been creative thinking. And creative thinking is a key aspect of inventing. So many times we can look at first principles and think about how those first principles might change. Many times we invent devices that can help understand the science so these science gets improved. One of the things is we can invent anything from a better hummus roll, which we've done, to things like business models for large systems or new economic monetary systems, uh, new ways that you can develop quantum computers, uh, new molecules. So inventing on demand we have used in almost any technology imaginable. So let's go to topic number six, the future of invention on demand. Well, we're already been working on that future at IP Capital. We've been adding AI to a lot of the creativity tools we use. We talk about that tool for uh, you know uh, noun verb, you know random verb noun on that tool. And so for real time novelty analysis, we can quickly take the the output from an invention on demand session where someone comes up with a flashing shovel. We can instantly run it through one of our processes to see if there's any claim of any patent that has flashing and shovel in the claim. And if it is, we know it's not that novel. So we go to somewhere else to try to get more novelty. So there can be real-time novelty analysis tools. Another thing we can do is we can transcribe the output using AI and also analyze the output. So we can run constructs. There's a lot of AI tools out there that are now transcribing and doing all sorts of stuff. And we're doing that and we're stripping it for novelty and, and enablement, things like that. Right now, you're probably looking at this podcast on a, on a computer screen, and it's not really any different, right, than having Zoom or Teams or WebEx or something. So imagine a plugin in Zoom or Teams or WebEx that brings up an invention on demand facilitated structure, and we're working on that. Another thing is invention on demand is always based upon expertise. And so if you need an expertise, suppose nanotechnology was something you brought up. If you have the ability quickly in the next session to bring an expert in, pay them some amount of money, not that much, to actually be in the session. You can now leverage somewhere else in the planet Earth, an expert on something, and bring them in to the Invention on Demand session. One of the things is that with the new tools that we can use to render rendering outputs, you can now have virtualized outputs. We can show renditions of inventions as you're developing them, and that's really cool. We can now apply different other creativity tools from a different level, like business analytical tools. So as you're inventing the inventing, as I mentioned, you can actually determine the size of the market. Wouldn't that be cool? Another thing we could do is have all sorts of different you know, novelty prompts, uh, prompts because there's huge databases to help us steer novelty. And we, we can add collaboration tools to invent over time. Speaking about collaboration tools, we at IP Capital produced a product called Opus, 
uh, with the partner company, Bright Marbles, which we've been working on, which is literally a, a virtual assistant that helps the invention on demand process. So in other, instead of having a facilitator, you can talk to a computer. And I'll sort of end up with the, one of my friends, Dr. Stephen Taylor, where he's actually proven that computers can invent. He also created a little bit of a ruckus in the patent offices. He basically had these computers uh, work on two GAN networks to come up with ideas. And he took the top two ideas and filed them in two patents, what are called the Davis patents. And he, he submitted them as patents and basically submitted them saying that the computer was the, the inventor. Now, this leads to a whole bunch of crazy stuff uh, and, and very exciting for people like myself that love patents and love creative thinking and love inventing. But eventually the patent officer said, because of their rules and regulations, only human beings can invent. So they didn't allow it. So think about that. The future of invention on demand is just beginning, having computers help us invent. So let's wrap up. In topic number one, we talked about the history and experiences with invention. We discussed the early history and my involvement with IBM uh, as, as being mentored or the patent factory, eight years of that, and then starting IP Capital and having 25 years of, of, of invention on demand using 1,500 creativity tools, inventing in white spaces and helping early stage companies. We talked about helping monetization or litigation. We talked about doing this in all sorts of technology areas. In topic number two, we talked about the fundamentals of facilitating invention on demand. And it's some simple things, but also some very important things. We talked about, you know, talking about past, the timing, and invention on demand being in the future, not today. We discussed root processes of creativity tools and continuous improvement tools coming together, which are all really well defined in earlier episodes. We discussed key working frameworks from quality produces is produced from quantity of ideas, running frequent sessions, becoming very relevant through facilitation on business strategy, to the constant tuning of this process and the ability to sort of have a top-notch process to essentially help people invent by making them feel as part of the team. In topic number three, we talked about uh, a lot of different experiences. And having run this for so many years, I certainly have a lot of experiences and I just captured a, a few. Things like some notable experiences like the resistance factor, or talk about how the one in 20, one person in 20, would seem to be interested in really being a follower of this. We discussed how various cultures react. The expert dilemma, that's a big one. We also talked about you know, how you use the output of these sessions. It goes well beyond just invention for patents or, or products. In the three and a half decades of experience doing this, we talked about how some clients just have total disbelief in this uh, until they see the results. In comparison, when we looked at this process of invention on demand versus others, not to name any names, we found that basically this is really a, a productive tool at low cost that really works. And one big legal, one big caveat is bringing in the legal mind, as we mentioned. In topic number four, we talked about the many benefits of invention on demand versus that's really, really works. And it's low cost, it's fast. Typically, we had a couple hundred ideas out of four or five sessions. Typically, 25 or 30 patents come out of those 200 ideas. We discussed the tuning process on directing it towards business and timing. We talked about doing it for helping you with competitors or customers or even suppliers. Uh, we discussed how this unique process can be scaled into large companies, but we also talk about the incredible benefit to early stage companies. Uh, look, if this could be done at IBM it could, in a large company, it could be done anywhere. But the trick was to make this work in small companies, which we've now figured out we can do. In topic number five, we talked about some advanced strategies, things like timeframes, things like inventing on top of or in front of, 
things like inventing in the customer space, helping you in litigation, or inventing to help monetization. We discussed several of the many tools used inside the IOD process, Invention on Demand IOD, like matrix landscaping. And we touched on Invention on Demand about how you can produce breakthroughs or not. And, and, and it's not guaranteed, but many times it does happen. And we talked about the many variations of using Invention on Demand from everything from quantum computers to business models to better hummus roles to you name it. And finally, we just ended up talking about the future of Invention on Demand. The future of Invention on Demand is pretty exciting to me because now we can add AI to the creativity tools. We can automate post-processing. We can add improved collaboration tools like Zoom or Teams or WebEx. We can add automation by directing and finding novelty using tools to do that. We can, I discussed tools like Opus with the Bright Marvel's partner collaboration that we developed. We even talked about Dr. Steven Taylor and where he actually got computers to start to invent and actually submitted some patents to the patent office, which at the end of the day weren't allowed. So the future of Invention on Demand is so cool. And have been working on this for three and a half decades. And it just hardly wait to see the future of how this all rolls out. So if you like this, please subscribe. And uh, come join our blog, Invent Anything. If you have some time, come listen to our new series, Inventors at Work.